chapters in the Bible. I hope you have it memorized. Psalm 100, verse 1. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people, and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him, and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. Let's pray, and then we'll go on today. Lord, we thank you for our blessings. We just thank you for your faithfulness, for how good you are to us. And we need you to keep us faithful to you because we we know you know us better than we know ourselves. And so we thank you even for the, the discipline and the things that we require to keep us on the right path. And we do thank you for how that you never forsake us and that you never leave us and you never give up on us. We thank you for that. Now, Lord, I pray that you'd help me to speak your word through your word and uh, that it would be spoken to each and every heart and that we would hear from you today. And this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. Psalm 8 is a wonderful passage, and I'm going to turn there and read it. Psalm 8 is only a few verses, but Psalm 8 says, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. Who has set thy glory above the heavens? Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies, that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him? And the son of man that thou visitest him, for thou hast made him a little lower than the angels and hast crowned him with glory and honor. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, yea, and the beasts of the field, the fowl of the air, and the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passeth through the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. In the middle of that chapter, he says, when I consider the heavens, David had the privilege to sit out and look at the stars and people in the big city don't even know what stars look like but you and I get to know what they look like praise the Lord for living out here in South Dakota but when you stand and stare at the stars at night and just think about how vast the universe is and how amazing that he would pay attention to this little blue tiny speck called earth down here and that he would consider you personally on earth What is man that thou art mindful of him, that you would even pay attention to us? Everything else that you've made is very obedient, but us, we're the ones that are the most disobedient of all your creation. And to think about God and how awesome he is, Psalm 19, verse 1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. In Hebrews 11, 6, it says, By faith, without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And so you can't please God unless you know him. Let me encourage you to understand and know the Lord, to know who God is and the attributes of God. Let me encourage you to know him like you've never known him before. I have this Bible in front of me. It's 66 books, and yet I don't know it as well as I need to know it. Probably there are other people in here that would say the same thing. And And we probably own several copies. There's no excuse for us 
not to know and to get to know the Lord. One of the greatest Christians that ever lived was the Apostle Paul. And he said that I may know him, that I would get to know him even more and, and understand him. And so let me encourage you if, you, if you don't know the Lord, if you don't know him as Lord and Savior, and that's the second point, know your relationship to him. Do you know what your relationship is to the Lord? I know some people have said this, and you hear it once in a while, we're all God's children. That's not true. We are all God's creation. That is true. The Bible says he made us. John chapter 1 says, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And by him were all things made that was, that was ever made. Colossians chapter 1 says the same thing. <clears throat> by him all things consist. Genesis chapter 1, of course, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And verse 26 and 27 tells us that God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, speaking to himself, the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And so man, like every, no other creature, man is created differently. In the image of God, God made us that way. He made us, and if you think that we evolved by chance in a big bang, I'm sorry to disappoint you, but that's just not true. I like what one preacher said one time. He said, if I go into the junkyard and I take a grenade and toss it into the junkyard, I'm not going to get a Cadillac. And there ain't no way a big bang made all this. It just didn't happen. It's impossible. I don't care what science books say, or even some science teachers have said, I'm telling you right now, the Bible says in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and he made us. You know something, if somebody made something, that usually means they're the owner of it. And God made you and I, but he had to redeem us because we got lost. Sin separates us from our maker, and sin causes us to need a redeemer Not only did God make us, but God is willing to then redeem us, to buy us back. He he owned us to begin with as creation, but then he's lost us to sin and Satan. And if you're not saved today, your name isn't going to be in the Lamb's Book of Life. And there will be a time where you'll feel the horrible, awful separation and the realization of being forever lost, as we talked about last week. Nothing worse than that. So let me ask you, do you know your relationship to God? Do you know what it is? Because if you don't know, he's probably going to be your judge someday. If you're sitting here to say, I don't really know what my relationship is. I got bad news for you. That's bad news. Because you'll probably meet him on judgment day and not be ready. Can I tell you something? That's not what he wants. It's not what I want. So know your relationship to him. Because not only did he make all of us as human beings, but I can tell you for me, I can't tell you for you, only you and God know this, but I can tell you for me that he has remade me. He has made me a new creature. The Bible refers to it as being born again. That's what I am. I'm not just born once, I'm born twice. And I am a born again child of God because he has remade me. The Bible says in John chapter 112, as many as received him to them gave he power to become the sons of God even to them that believe on his name. Not only did God do something awesome in creation, which Satan tries to destroy and to, and to take away his credit for the creation, but Satan would have you not know anything about the new creation. 
2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, any person be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, and all things are become new. What an awesome thing that is, that God is making a new creation out of you and I. Let's be honest, some of us in here have kind of messed up the first one. We've kind of scarred and, and, and vandalized and done things to the first one. And we all need him to make us over again. And so he's not just my creator, he's my savior, he's my redeemer. He's made me over again. I love how it says it in Ephesians chapter 2. So I'm going to turn there. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, 9, and 10. It says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And then verse 10, this is about if you're saved, if you believe the first two verses there, if you're saved and you are no longer trusting in works or anything that you can do, and by the way, works salvation is a salvation that is a lie. There is no such thing as a work salvation. What do you mean by work salvation? The idea that, that you earn your way to heaven. Some people think that because they got baptized one time in their life that they're going to heaven. That is so silly. I mean, obviously a baby can't believe something, right? And, and obviously we don't think that just water saves people. We, we, we have to understand believers baptism we believe in the baptism but it has to be believers first you must believe and so by faith and by grace are you saved not of some work or action the thief on the cross turned to christ hanging on the cross and said lord remember me they did not call time out and go baptize him but simply and freely the thief on the cross received the gift of salvation that's how simple it is there are people in here that have been saved and maybe you have not been baptized since your salvation. You should be, but it is not the baptism that saves, it is the belief. But know your relationship because it is by grace, it is the gift of God. It is not of works, lest any man should boast. But then verse 10 says, we Christians saved are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath foreordained that we should walk in them. And so God has expectations for us. And that part of that is that he would then create a new creature, that he would begin to do something new in our lives. When my parents uh, got right with the Lord, my mom had been saved at age 14. My dad wasn't saved until after they were married. And when he got saved, then all of a sudden there was just a new creature happening. There was something new. All of a sudden there was a different desire and a different direction in his life. He had goals for himself. He had plans. And the Lord altered some of those plans and some of those goals and, and rearranged his direction. Why? Because he had, a different, he had a different goal in mind. God was painting a picture of Tom Furs that was different than the picture Tom Furs had envisioned. I like to stop into the John Crane Art Gallery and take a look at the different things, and I really, really enjoy John Crane's paintings and some of the other ones that are in there. And to be, t be honest with you, I'm somewhat familiar with, with John Crane's paintings to the point where I don't even have to go look in the corner anymore to see the name in the corner because I already know it's John's painting. Never met the man. And you know, Christian... When God starts to do a work in your life, you don't have to wear a cross necklace or have a bumper sticker. I'm not saying that 
that you can't advertise that you're a Christian. But when God starts to do an artwork in your life, it starts to get noticed. There starts to be some obvious and, and some similarities and some certain features that are just noticed. Why? Because we are his creation. We are his workmanship. Nothing more disappointing than someone who says they're a Christian and it's really hard to tell it. But he has remade me. And by the way, he's still remaking me. I have not arrived. I am not the Christian. Nope. I'm still a work in progress. You could hang a sign on me under construction. I'm saved, but he's still working on me. And I praise the Lord for that. Because to be honest with you, if I was the artist, him, I might have said, forget this and tear up the canvas and say, this is a waste of time. But he has not done that. The potter and the clay, same thing. He stops and he patiently squishes it back down and, all right, let's start again. But I am his creation he is my maker not just physically but spiritually he is making me the christian i should be and because of that it also says there in psalm 100 it says we are his people oh, i love that psalm 27:10 says when my father and my mother hath forsaken me the lord will take me up i don't know maybe there's someone in here you don't have a father and mother Maybe someone here, you've never known your father or you've never known your mother or you don't live with them now and maybe there's, there's just kind of a hurt there. Let me tell you, Psalm 2710 is a verse for you. When my father and mother hath forsaken me, the Lord will take me up. And whether you had a wonderful relationship with your earthly parents, guess what? The Lord will take you up. One thing that my parents will do to me that will not be a very nice thing is they'll die on me someday. My heavenly father won't. He'll never leave me nor forsake me. And I'm one of his people. I don't always act like one of his people, but I'm one of his people. Romans chapter eight says, we're adopted into the family of God. It calls it an adoption, this born again experience, being adopted into God's family. And 1 John chapter three, if you can turn there with me, 1 John chapter three and verse one, behold, what manner of love the father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons or the children of God. Therefore, the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. Right now, not future. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. You see, what God is doing is God is taking us and he's basically taking us and setting us next to Jesus Christ, his only begotten son. And he's saying, this is the one and only son I'm impressed with. And now that you are born again into the family and adopted into the family, I'm going to work the rest of your life to make you like him and to make you look like him. That's, that's the Christian life, is to be more and more like Jesus Christ, not of our own doing, but of his doing. And to make us more and more to the point where other people start to recognize, hey, you remind me of Christ. That's what the word Christian originally meant. You're, you're Christ-like. Well, there's a lot of Christians that aren't Christ-like. And they're not Christians. You know what I'm saying? <clears throat> and yet, this is what he's done. And so, 
Know your relationship to him. See, this is what good parenting is. Good parenting is saying, hey, you're my son, but that doesn't mean I'm going to let you just do what you want. I know we've got a lot of parents that are doing that, but that's not good parenting. Good parenting is you're my son and I have a job and an obligation to, to, to make you and to mold you into the, what you ought to be. And the Lord's given us human fathers things that help get that done. My heavenly father does the same thing. And it's perfect. It's not abuse, it's perfect. It's what I need. That's why we were saying just a minute ago, I'm prone to grow astray. Lord, keep me faithful. I'm prone to wander. So Lord, I know you're faithful. Please help me to stay faithful. He said, well, pastor, you mean you... You could be unfaithful to your wife. I'm a human being. Well, that's not very romantic, well, but it's very honest. We need to be faithful. And it's not just marriage. It's everything as we walk in our Christian life. <clears throat> Lord, help me. I, I can get my nose pointed in so many different directions. Can you? My heavenly father helps to make me what I ought to be. But regardless of... <sighs> The failures in my human life, ever since I got born again, I've been one of his people. And being one of his people means that we, the saved, are his sheep. Again, <clears throat> Psalm 100. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. <clears throat> I love the, um, the video that was made years and years ago that comparing us to sheep is just a, not a nice thing to do. Anybody that's worked with sheep, it's like, good grief, sheep are stupid. Why would God call us sheep? <laughs> Think about it. Sheep just follow each other around. <laughs> yep, that's us. Sheep stink a lot. Yep, that's us. Sheep are so dumb and sheep are so frail and they can get themselves in the dumbest situations. Sheep have zero defenses. Yep, that's us. Sheep are just, and, and so God in his wisdom said, you're like sheep. You need a shepherd. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. If you ever take a look at me or any other Christian and say, wow, I'm really impressed with you, sheep. You know what the answer is? We're just sheep, but we have a real impressive shepherd. We're just sheep. We're not smart but we learn that following the shepherd's the right thing to do. See, I'm not just one of his people. I'm one of his sheep. And shepherds, man, they take care of their sheep. Biblical shepherds, they took care of their sheep. David David fought a lion and a bear for sheep. I said that a couple weeks ago. I didn't, a lion showed up and I was taking care of somebody's sheep. I'd be like, have at it, lion. I'm out of here. But not my shepherd. My shepherd stands and does battle with the roaring lion. Do you have that kind of relationship with the Lord? Do you have that kind of relationship as a sheep with a shepherd? Has he remade you? Are you born again? Because if you're not, you're not going to be in the Lamb's book of life, as we spoke of earlier. You're not one of his children. You're going to be lost for eternity. But you and I who are saved, and many in this room are saved, do you understand the awesome relationship we have? I might wake up tomorrow and find out that my, my house is on fire. 
I might run out in time just to see everything I own destroyed, including my family. Can I tell you something? Being a horrible, horrible experience, except let me just say this. I'll still be one of his sheep. I'll still be one of his children. I might find out that somehow somebody worked their way into my bank account and took out every last $6.80 I have in there. Can I tell you something? I'll still be one of his sheep. I might wake up and find out that miserable people have decided to do miserable things to our country. I'm already waking up to that. And guess what? I'm still one of his sheep. I'm still one of his people. I might lose everything I could possibly put my hands on that used to be mine. And this week I could still give thanks and count my blessings. So I'm saved. I'm adopted into his family. And you know how many people can't say that? The vast majority. Not because he's not willing, they're not willing. And you talk about an awesome thing to have that kind of relationship with our God. See, he's not just our God to me. He's my father. When I talk to him in prayer, it's father-son relationship. That's what I have. That's what others in this room have. Do you know your relationship to him? That can't be taken away. Romans 8 says, nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Nothing. Nothing. You might lose lots and Satan might have stripped you away of a lot of things, but I'm going to tell you right now, if you're saved, it can't be taken from you. That is, if nothing else, that is something to give thanks for. Make a joyful noise. So, third point. Know his expectation of us. Those of us who are his sheep, those of us that have been adopted to his family, would you understand the expectation? First of all, back in Psalm 100 and verse 1, make a joyful noise. Well, I don't have anything to be excited about. Listen, if you're not saved, I can understand that. But if you're saved, I don't care if you've had the most awful week or year or month or decade of your life. If you're saved, you've got something to be joyful about right now. Make a joyful noise because of your salvation. You ought to be able to give praise and thanksgiving to God. Why? Because you're saved. So understand, if God has redeemed you and paid the price on the cross for your sin, then make a joyful noise. My father sings terribly. It's so bad, it's funny. Years ago, when he was excited about the Lord and started going to church, man, he was excited, and he was sitting back there with my mom, and they were standing and singing together, and, and, and my mom noticed it. My dad didn't even notice it. You know, he's just, hey, praise, hey, praise, hey, praise. And, and, and my mom noticed that the people right in front were going. <laughs> and my mom started laughing. And finally, my dad said, what's going on? They're laughing at you. Why? Because you sing awful. But you know what I can say about him? He sings joyful. It doesn't say make a joyful sound. 
so that other people can appreciate it? It says make a joyful noise. There are people, and probably sitting in this room right now, I don't sing well, and I, I got laughed at one time. Don't let it stop you. Because you know what most churches really need to see a lot more of? Joyful noise instead of professional music. All of a sudden they realize, man, we told him he sounds awful, but he's still joyful. That says something. It says make a joyful noise. So do it. Praise him. Sing. Even if they say you can't sing. Hey, what if heaven is in tune with you and not them? I guarantee you, if you're making a joyful noise, God's up in heaven going, oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Why? Because it's joyful. It's thanksgiving. It goes on to say in verse 2, serve the Lord with gladness. Besides being joyful, the expectation is serving. Serve. Colossians 3 says, whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God, serving the Lord and not men. The whole thing that you're doing is for the Lord. Every, and I'm so thankful for servants of the Lord. Even in our church, we have servants. Thank, thank the Lord for that. That's a blessing. Man, we couldn't do what we do here in honor of the Lord if it wasn't for people willing to serve. What an awesome thing to serve the Lord and to get to serve. And he's given us a local church in which we can serve him. Serve the Lord with gladness. My parents and I were just talking the other day about the situation that happened years ago in Michigan where they were in a church and all of a sudden it was found out that the pastor was stealing money from the church offerings. Well, you talk about a lousy thing. But we were talking about how that we know people that they just went through because of that. And they stopped serving, they stopped doing, and they stopped everything. My parents, devastated, hurt, broken, but they kept serving God anyway. Well, I didn't serve that pastor anymore, but they served God. They found another church and they continued to serve. Listen, there's no reason why you and I who've been redeemed can't serve. Now, he didn't save us with the deal that we have to serve. But it is expected. It's our reasonable service. Can I say that probably there's somebody, maybe even amongst us, that part of the lack of joy in your life is that you don't serve. A lot of us get into this serve me attitude. We think it's spelled serve us. We're going to the church, serve us. What I've noticed is the servants are always the happiest. The doers and the behind-the-scenes givers, they're, the, they're always the ones that get the most joy out of what's going on because they had a part in the service. I remember in John chapter 2 when those servants were told to fill up the water pots and then pour out the water, and the water turned into wine. And there's a parenthesis says, nobody knew what happened, but the servants knew. Why did the servants know? Because they're on the inside. And the servants always get the, the servants got the most out of that story of anybody because they knew how it happened. 
That's why I enjoy serving because there's little things behind the scenes. It's like, wow, that's awesome. That's so neat. That's great. And the serving is a blessing every time someone gets saved. Every time someone's saved and then they get baptized. It's just a, a blessing to me personally. Walked in this morning and there was my buddy Ernie there. Black eye. Got beat up by a two by four. I can't remember when Ernie first started coming here, but it hadn't been that long ago. Stand next to Ernie was this other bald guy named, yeah, that guy, John. And I know John and Lori had a part in Ernie coming to church and hearing the gospel and getting saved. Now they're both standing there waiting for Sunday school to start, and I'm just standing there going, oh, this, this is just part of being a servant, getting to see what God's doing. Just excited to see what God's doing. I enjoy serving the Lord. Some days are pretty hard and some days are doesn't seem like you can see the light in the end of the tunnel, but whew, what a blessing to serve him. And then it says, serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. I mentioned make a joyful noise earlier. Don't refrain from singing. You say, Pastor, I'm not a singer. Neither is my dad and neither is a lot of other people in here. I'm going to tell you right now, don't think that's what makes it nice. What makes it nice is that when it comes from the heart and he knows it and he's hearing it, that's beautiful to him. Come before his presence with thanksgiving. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful. Bless his name. I... I want to encourage you. I know a lot of songs in our hymnal. It's not because I've ever sat down and just started trying to memorize them. You know why I know a lot of songs in our hymnal? Because every time the church is open, I'm opening the book and singing songs. I'm not thinking about something else. I'm not staring around the room. I'm looking at those words and I'm singing those words. And even when I was a kid, I mean, I was a kid. I, I'll be honest with you. I was a kid is like every other kid but I still was listening and hearing it. And one day as a young man, I remember thinking about the actual doctrine of the song. Wow, that's really good. And it started making sense. And you started thinking about the words to the song and great is thy faithfulness and, and wow. And then the, the really neat part though is, is that after a while you can have it up here and you just walk around singing it. I find myself a lot of times singing my Lord knows the way through the wilderness. All I have to do is follow. And you know why I like that? Because that's exactly what my life is. It's like a wilderness, and I don't always know where I'm going. But all I got to do is follow my shepherd. And my shepherd leads me through the path and takes me through the, the dark valleys, and he leads me along. And, it's, and that song helps me to remember that. When peace like a river attends my way and when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say it is well with my soul. It's not always well with my body. But there's no reason why it can't be well with my soul. And so worship him with songs of thanksgiving. As a matter of fact, if you look at with me in Philippians chapter four, it tells us how to pray. Be careful for nothing. That means be full of care for nothing. 
no anxiety. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Do you enjoy it when your kids come to you and always ask them for stuff? Do you enjoy it when your kids come to you always asking, always asking, always asking? Now you love them, so you want to help them. But don't you enjoy it when they thank you for some things once in a while? When they have a heart of gratitude and they're just thankful? Can I encourage you to pray with thanksgiving every time you pray? When you open your mouth or you start to bow your head and think a thought of prayer, I hope that you realize it should start with a thanksgiving. God, I don't even deserve what I'm about to ask you for. God, you've been so good to me. Lord, I forgot about the big deal I had last week, and I just want to say thank you. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Sing and praise him. I don't know what you have to do on Wednesday night, but I'm going to tell you where I'm going to be Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. I'm going to praise him. And I'm going to give thanks for what he's done in my life and how I don't deserve it. And then number four, last point, let others know who he is. It says... Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Hallowed be thy name. One of the saddest things about being a Christian is, is that a lot of time you and I, we drag his name through the mud. There are times that I have worried about my name instead of his name. And so I let his name get trampled so that I my name still look good. I bet I'm not the only one. But I know I am. You know what's a blessing to his name when you swear to your own herd and you change not? When it doesn't matter what it's going to cost you, you're going to honor his name. And it doesn't matter if they're laughing at you singing. You're singing to his name and you're praising him and it doesn't matter what everybody else thinks. It doesn't matter if you're worried about your hairdo or you're about what people think. You know that you've never gotten baptized since you believed and trusted Christ as your Savior and you're going to get baptized. And other people know that you're praising him. And you're not afraid to speak up and to say something and say, hey, listen, I want to tell you, the truth is, is that Jesus died on the cross to pay for our sins. And if you don't get saved, you're on your way to hell. Hey, that might be hard on your name, but it will be a blessing to his name if you tell the truth once in a while. If you'll just be honest about who he is and bless his name. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Why? He is good. According to Mark 10, 18, he's the only one that is good. He is good. No one else is is good like he is good. His mercy, for his own children at least, his mercy is everlasting. If it wasn't for his mercies, I wouldn't even be here. If it wasn't for his mercies, I'd be burning in hell someday. 
His mercy is everlasting. I'm so glad it's not long-lasting because that's not long enough for me. I'm so glad that his mercy is everlasting. That's a guarantee that I won't have to go to hell because of his salvation for me. And his truth endureth to all generations. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Out in the lobby, there's this thing called the Constitution of the United States, and there's also something next to it called the Bill of Rights. Sure, I'm thankful for those pieces of paper. Those things are awesome. I'm thankful for the history behind them. I'm thankful for the men who wrote down the words. But I have to confess that there is just, there just is no guarantee that those papers on the wall out there in the lobby are going to be around forever. But this one I hold in my hand right here, his truth will endure for all generations. And they can try to destroy this individual copy, but they just can't get rid of all of them. It will not go away. I'm so thankful for this book. I'm so thankful for the one who gave it to me. I'm so thankful for his truth. Because when, when it all comes down to the end and the dust is settled, it will be what's in here and my trust in it that's the only thing that matters. We have much to be thankful for. We have much to be thankful for. Make a joyful noise. Serve the Lord. Worship him. Bless his name. Let's bow our heads and we'll pray and be dismissed today. Just before